Thank you, Dennis, and thank you, ladies, for leading us and singing and raising our voices in praise to our great Savior, because He is worthy. Amen. The Lord is great and mighty and glorious. This morning, it's my intent. I trust it is also the Lord's direction. It is my intent to begin an extensive series on the fundamentals of family. The reason for this is because, first of all, I'm under direction being an under-shepherd of the over-shepherd of the sheep to make sure that I protect this flock that He so graciously has allowed me to stand before. It doesn't take you long to realize that in our society today, the family is coming under duress. In fact, when we get to the particular passage in Genesis chapter 3, we will find out that the family was the first thing the evil one attacked. But this morning, I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 7 as a sort of a, a kickoff for this particular morning session. Matthew chapter 7. First book of the New Testament. Chapter 7 is the closure of the Lord's great sermon on, noted as the Sermon on the Mount. And He ends His teaching by instructing us concerning foundations. Acts chapter 7 beginning at verse 24. And as Nehemiah and Ezra, when they opened the Scriptures on that day when the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt, it says the people stood for the reading of the Word. Let us stand this morning, please. Matthew chapter 7. We'll begin at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. And the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And the great was its fall. So it was when Jesus had ended these particular sayings that the people were astonished at His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Lord Jesus, take Your Word this morning 
and drive it deep into our brains that it may reach our souls. Refresh us this morning. Strengthen us for the days that are ahead. And we'll be careful to praise You and thank You in the Savior's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated unless you wish to stand for the whole sermon. (coughs) Excuse me. When engineers and construction specialists begin to build skyscrapers, they first calculate how deep the foundation has to go. You'll know how tall the skyscraper is going to be by the depth of the foundation that they dig. If you were able to be at the World Trade Center towers prior to the happenings of 9-11, you would have found out that underneath those particular towers was a city in and of itself. There were five different levels of that city reaching down to the depths of Manhattan Island that all of the dirt and rock and debris that they dug out, they were able to reclaim about a hundred acres of land that they added to the island of Manhattan itself, rescued from the Hudson River. It was huge. It was depth. I've had the privilege of being down there, knowing full well too that that is the station in which trains and subways would come. And the people would exit those and come up the stairs like ants coming out of a, an anthill. It was massive. Only because the foundation had to match the building. The extent of the building. For we all know that the building had to hold King Kong from the top of it. Just in case you saw that movie. But Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 29, highlights for us two types of foundations. One is a foundation that is built on stone. The other is a foundation that's built on the sand. Events of life, the same for this particular buildings. There was rain and there was wind. And there were waves that beat against the house. And only one was able to stand. The one that's built on the rock. And Jesus equated that with those individuals that heed His Word. We are at a dangerous crossroads in our society today because the Word of God is no longer held as the final authority. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is an absolute truth. And the absolute truth is that which is found in the Scriptures. And if you wish to build a life that would withstand the storms of life, then you must stand upon the Word of God. Someone here ought to be saying Amen. This particular passage could be equated to a number of things. 
could be equated to a personal life, could be equated to a family life, could be equated to a country life, and it also can be equated to our national government, who has long ago distilled the truth of the Scriptures. But I'm here to tell you this morning, dear people, that whatever storm may come, if we stand upon the rock of the truth of the Word of God, we will stand. And so that is my plan for this particular essay of study of the fundamentals of family. Next slide, please. When you begin to study the Scriptures, you come to find out that individuals who go contrary to the Scriptures find themselves at odds with God. It all began in the 1960s. Some of you don't remember those years, but I do. It was called the Sexual Revolution. If sexual revolution was fueled by Sigmund Freud and an individual by the name of Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Reich was born in the early century of the 1900s. And he passed and left this earth in 1957. But his writings highlighted two important themes. I've listed them there for you. He said in his book, which is entitled Revolutionary Sex, he said this, the traditional patriotic family is a unit of oppression. He goes on to also say that the family, as traditionally understood, needs to be dismantled. That was his desire. What we don't know, or maybe what you don't know about Wilhelm Reich, is two things. Number one, he was a Hebrew. He was born during the days of World War II, and the Lord God allowed him to escape Europe with his life based upon two things. First of all, he was a Jew. And secondly, he was a sympathizer of communism. And so his statements that he wrote in his books, which he also taught in colleges of this United States, fueled what we now understand as being the sexual revolution of the 60s. It was the foundation of the sexual revolution of the 60s to dismantle the the sacredness of family, of marriage, of relationships, wholly bound by the Word of God. It was their intent to destroy the family. Though Wilhelm Reich and Sigmund Freud are no longer with us, yet their writings and their philosophies still are. For they are being perpetrated in the universities all across this nation. Woe to that nation 
whose God is not the Lord. And in our later times, as we get more intently into this study, when we find out that once a nation proceeds away from God, it's doomed for destruction. Family. One of my intents also was most recently the passing of H.R. number 5, which passed both the National House and the Senate, has laid the groundwork for the virtual destruction of the family and the church. Thus another ingredient that turned up the heat inside of my soul. I'm not going to go down without a fight. I need to build you up. Because the days are coming, my dear people, that the next generation is going to face issues that they wouldn't even believe, that we wouldn't even believe, could even come about. H.R. 15 has set the stage to where the family no longer as a unit can be called a family. When we get to the definitions of family, some of those definitions are going to rock your soul. Even to the point of where an individual can marry a pet and be called a family. I get excited. They don't want me to preach this in the House of Representatives, either locally or nationally. But I jump at the opportunity. So the family is in the crosshairs. And there's a storm that's brewing on the horizon. But lest you feel defeated, dear brothers and sisters, remember this. I know the one who's still in control. He is the king. He is the ruler. He is the establisher of that which he says he will fulfill. And Jesus is coming again. And I shudder at the generation that will be left behind. We need to be strengthened as a family. The fundamentals of what family is all about. Now we need to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Next slide, please. When you begin the study of the Word of God, there is a particular law of study that is called the law of first mention. The law of first mention says this, if you want to know what God says about a matter, look at the first time He brings it up. Because the first time God addresses a subject will typically tell you what He thinks about it. And every subsequent mention of that subject may add to it or clarify it, but it doesn't cancel out God's first mention unless He says that it does at a later point. 
with this particular law of first mention in mind, we find ourselves at the Scriptures whereby God has first mentioned the creation of the first family. In Genesis chapter 1, next slide please, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, we find that the family is God's design and not man's thought. The triune Godhead was present and designed what is called the unit family. And in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, if you have your Bibles, follow along as we read. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In verse 26, when the triune God had said, let us, it's in reference to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word, in case you're interested, is Elohim. It is the plural of the word God. It describes for us in the early stages, as even in verse 1 of this wonderful book, this wonderful chapter, it says, in the beginning, God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make up what is called the triune Godhead. Sometimes we use the word Trinity. But the word Trinity itself does not appear in the Scriptures. It's a descriptive term of what really the triune Godhead is. And the Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ is the image of the triune Godhead. So I'd rather go with that definition. Will someone help me with an amen? The triune Godhead said, let us make man. Mankind, the word should be there translated for you. Let us make mankind in our image. And it goes on to highlight what he means by that when he said you created male and female in the image of God. When we get to our study of biology in this subject, you will come to realize that each male and each female has in them the very design of God. There's part of their makeup that they can't change by surgery. They can't change by psychology. It can't be changed. Because in them is the X and the Y chromosome. And that can never be eradicated. God has placed in man the X chromosome, and the woman, the Y chromosome, and those two 
cannot be erased. You want to know your identity? Take your blood. It'll tell you who you are. That's for another time and another subject. We'll get there soon, I trust. I'm getting fired up. Someone help me out. But it says these three individual and unique persons who make up the one unified reality of the Godhead. They said, let us make mankind in our image. The second point I wish to give to you is let us make man in our image. It is for the purpose, number one, to have an, that we are to image as a mirror a reflection. We are to reflect the very person of who the triune Godhead is. We are created in His image. And thus we are to reflect that image. I must take just a couple of seconds to maybe move a little bit here. I have long ago gotten rid of Facebook. All of you that send me things about Facebook, you're wasting your time. I get the notifications, but I don't go there. I don't need Facebook to tell me what's going on. I don't do Google anymore. I don't do YouTube anymore. I have divorced myself from those crutches. I don't have time for that. But what I do see in the Word of God instructs me that I need to instruct you. And those things were taking time for me to be able to stand before you as an instrument of righteousness. So please, throughout the rest of this year, happy birthday to everybody. Okay? You're not going to get a birthday wish from me on YouTube. Happy birthday to you. Whenever that day comes, Lord have mercy. And so in this particular passage of Genesis chapter 1, being created in the image of God, and God created humanity, body, soul, and spirit in order that we might mirror Him. And then He established them in the divine institution called family to reproduce His image. God determined family. I don't care what the Supreme Court has to say. God created family. He established it. They just woke up to it. But God established it for the purpose that we would mirror who He is. It is the beginning, the origin of who God is. But the family has a divine mission. Next slide, please. The family's divine mission is this. 
is that we are to mirror the visible realm, the reality of the triune God who is in the invisible realm. Let me translate that for you. It goes something like this. We are to mirror heaven on earth. In the visible realm, people need to see the reality of the invisible realm. That is, God Himself lived out in the church. Lived out in the family. Now I'm going to hit you between the eyes with something that you may not know. It's this. The attack of the family is not just to destroy the identity of the family, but ultimately to destroy the church. Because if you don't have strong families, you don't have strong church. If you don't have strong church, you have no strong government. And if you got no government, strong government, you got no nation. And we're seeing it being dismantled faster than what I've ever seen before in my life. As some of you are seeing and you're going, what in the world is happening? Let me tell you what's happening. It's the end. Jesus is coming. I don't have a date for that. I refuse to set a date for that. But as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And I've read what it was like during Noah's day. And they got nothing over on us, believe me. Simply put, the family's mission is to replicate the image of God in history and to carry out His divinely mandated dominion when He said, let them rule on earth. Let them rule on earth. Mankind was destined to rule this earth in accordance to the direction of the one who created this earth. Prior to the fall of Genesis 3, you could go up to a snake. I don't know why you would want to, but you could go up to a snake and it wouldn't bite you. You could run with the lions and they wouldn't even think that what you would taste like with A1 sauce. You could jump into a pool of piranha and they would look at you as the strangest fish they'd ever seen, but they wouldn't touch you. But when sin happened, the curse fell. That's why Deer run from you. Unless you're traveling on 225 at night. And they run to you. That's why we have feral cats, angry dogs, stupid squirrels, and birds that fly south for the winter. wasn't God's plan. It was the curse. God's plan was that mankind would rule the earth and manifest the very wonder of heaven. 
on the states of the countries. And dominion means ruling on God's behalf in history so that history comes under God's authority. That was his plan. That plan, by the way, has been interrupted, as you all know. But there will be a day when a child can lay down with an asp and not be bitten. A lamb can lay next to a lion and be safe. The king is going to rule in Jerusalem. And for a thousand years, the, the planet will realize of who he is. But then after that, oh, I know I'm getting way ahead, but we'll get there. But after that, it will all be made brand new. New heaven and new earth. That tells me that God's plan isn't stopped. Because He's still creating new things. He's creating lost and the found. He's creating those who have run away to run to Him. He's bringing individual family members and family units together who once at odds are now under the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the great healer. He is the sustainer. And He is the keeper of all that there is. All His plan hasn't stopped. For He still rules. It's His authority. We've just lost sight of it. So this morning's study, it's only the beginning of an extended series. You may be here or even listening at home and thinking, so what? What's the use? Well, in order for our families to survive, we need to dig deep our foundation, which is in the Word of God. And from that, so my question to all of you this day is this, how deep do you want to go? How deep will you purpose to build your life, your family's life, this church life, this nation's life? How deep do you want to go with Jesus Christ? The next slide will dictate to the fact that next week, Lord willing, we will begin to look at what some call the definitions of family. You may need to bring a Darvan with you because some of their explanations are earth-shattering when you realize of how far we have come, how far they want to take us. They, meaning the world system, what they want to do to us will cause your spine to shiver. But have heart. I know a Savior who owns my spine. He owns my heart. 
my soul, my spirit. Let not your hearts be troubled. As Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and we do not know the way. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And my question is this morning, do you know him? By grace through faith, if you do not know Jesus Christ, I ask that you do not leave this assembly until you come to realize that in Him and Him alone is the guarantee of eternal life. Can we pray in closing? Father, we've only scratched the proverbial surface of this topic that is so rampant in our society today. Lord, we need Your strength. We need You to purpose, to guide and direct, to help us to stand strong in these days that may very well be upon us. Allow us, O Lord God, to be witnesses, to be image bearers of You in a society that really needs to see the reality of who You are. In this study, Lord, as we continue on, I pray that some of the things we will talk about will be dark. But I thank You that Your light shines the best in the dark. So let us purpose, O Lord, together as families of this church, of this congregation, this local assembly, May we purpose that in all that we say and do, we bring honor and glory to You alone because You alone are worthy. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.